Hello and welcome to Hands-On Techie Talks, where we talk about all things creation and innovation for kids like you. My name is Danielle Boyer, and I'm an Indigenous teen educator, author, and robot maker. And I'm Vinia Gunnishaker, a 12-year-old changemaker who loves robots, helping my community, and protecting our environment. Today is our fifth episode in the Environmental Innovation Series, where we are hearing from our guest, Rob Maldonado, an engineering influencer on Instagram and mechanical engineer. You can find his page at virtualflatcad if your parents let you have an Instagram. I met Rob when I was 17 years old during the first keynote speech that I ever gave at the SolidWorks User Advocacy Day. They brought in engineering changemakers from all around the world, and I got to talk about robots. Since then, I have loved working with Rob on all things STEAM. He is a huge supporter of both Vinnie and I through our different initiatives and projects. Right now, he lives in Florida and designs CAD models every single day on Instagram. I love CAD. CAD stands for Computer Aided Design. You are actually the one who taught me how to CAD, Danielle. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's meet Rob and he'll tell us all about it. Also remember that you can follow along with this episode at home at www.steamconnection.org slash hands-on with our fun activity sheet. Um, let's meet our guests. Hello, Rob. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So, Rob, what do you do for a living? Well, uh, privately, I am a mechanical CAD engineer, and I help people basically design all sorts of neat things for for the industry but publicly you may know me as virtual flat cad my most well-known project right now is my hashtag cad model of the day project um, basically a project where i post a cad related picture every single day so you mentioned cad a lot in your description of what you do what is cad and why is it so important well, in, in a nutshell, CAD is basically using computers to help us design. And nowadays that means 3D modeling. Um, 3D modeling is awesome because you can ask it a ton of questions and get a tons of information to make your design more efficient. So Rob, would my couch be made of CAD? Very likely your couch was made with CAD, especially if it was with Ikea. So if you think of like Ikea things and you buy stuff and it comes with a neat little manual, they, of course, design the furniture with computers, and this allows them to ask many questions about their design. So in the, an example of a couch, um, a good thing to ask about it is, for example, how many screws do I need? And that way I can tell the robot that puts the screws into the box how many to, how many to put. You can ask it questions like, are the screws long enough so the feet won't fall off? But they can't be too long, right? So you could actually say, do the screws go through the feet and the frame of the couch? But we have to be careful that it doesn't intersect with the cushion or else you could sit on a screw and that's not comfortable at all. When I was a kid, I would take apart furniture all the time and my parents were so upset about it. But I learned a lot of things about engineering and design. And I think it ultimately is what made me interested in engineering now. So if all of your parents will let you, uh, see if you can take apart some of your appliances or furniture or something that you have and you can just use a screwdriver and just take it apart and look inside to see what it's made out of. So when thinking about CAD, Vinia brought up her couch and it actually correlates with an example that I use in my classroom when I'm teaching. So I think of CAD in relation to couch design. So would I want to design a couch on my computer knowing where every component and screw is going? Or do I want to make a couch without planning first and not knowing exactly where I want everything to fit together? To me, it seems like an obvious answer. 
To CAD is to plan and to create. I CAD all the time, but not nearly as much as you do, Rob. If you wanted to build a couch without a plan, you would most likely be building the couch wrong, and it wouldn't be very comfortable to sit on, probably. But with CAD, you can design the couch beforehand, so you have your plan all set out for you. I've actually tried designing things without CAD because sometimes I'm feeling a little bit lazy and don't always want to plan ahead of time and just want to get all my components that I read about online. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to throw it together. And every single time it ends up as a complete disaster because especially if your designs are even simple or complicated, not planning beforehand and seeing how everything is going to fit together can have some very disastrous results. Yeah, absolutely. And what is really awesome about CAD right now is that it's become so complex right now and so powerful that you can ask CAD all sorts of questions. Like, you know, there was the example that I gave, like how many screws, but are they too long? But with the same CAD data, you can also make the, the IKEA instructions. So those are made with 3D models and they move them around. They take the pictures and they uh, assemble it into the manual, so it gives you the instructions. Danielle, when I was part of your engineering design club last year, you actually taught me how to CAD on a free program called the SolidWorks app for kids. I really learned how to love design and see robots in an entirely new perspective because of this. It was really hard at first, but I'm but I was more and more drawn to engineering more than ever before. This skill has come in handy even when sketching the beginning of Otto Oscar, the robot that Danielle and I are working on to clean up recyclables in school hallways. I think everyone should know how to design and create. Uh, I totally agree with that. And especially, you know, that's such an awesome project, but it's also a project that really hasn't been done before. So it's one thing to design a couch in CAD. Couches have been made since like the beginning of time, right? Well, maybe not that long, but people have been making couches for a long time. If you if you get stuck on how to make a couch, there's always a, a precedent of how you can build it. But when you're talking about a concept like Auto Oscar, that has never been done before. And that's when CAD becomes all so important. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. One of my toughest projects was um, this past fe February when I was in 3D experience world. Um, I had a project where I needed to design a prosthetic hand that could grab things without using electricity. It was, has to be completely mechanical. And that was easily one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And we had all sorts of ideas. And um, using CAD, we were able to pick the best one. And I think we made a really great design at the end of the day. And can you tell me a little bit about prosthetics? Like why do they normally operate with electricity? How, how do they normally work? Why was what you were doing different? So when it came to the prosthetic, one of the big things was cost. We, we wanted to distribute this to as many places as possible. And one of, that is, one of the aspects of that is cost. Uh, we wanted to distribute it for under $50 per, per set. So um, we, for that reason, we decided that the prosthetic should be fully mechanical because when you add electronics, that adds cost and complexity. So Rob, can you explain to me how CAD plays a role in 3D printing? 
And what exactly is 3D printing? Because some of our listeners may not know what 3D printing is or ever experienced one before. Can you talk a bit about that? Oh, for sure. And if you haven't heard of 3D printing, boy, do I have some news for you because uh, 3D printing is one of the greatest technologies to really flourish in, in this decade. In a nutshell, 3D printing is where you layer material bit by bit on top of each other. Usually it's plastic, but you know, as we'll get into, there's other things you can do, but you layer this plastic just a little bit at a time and eventually it grows into a full part. The way that CAD plays a role into that is what I was mentioning before, the ways we can ask our 3D models questions, the way the ways we can interrogate our CAD. We can basically feed our 3D model into what's called a slicer, which determines how the print head, which deposits plastic, should move. And basically it'll give instructions to the machine saying, if you move the print head here and put a little bit of plastic and you follow all my instructions, you will recreate a copy of that part in plastic. And you can print more than just plastic, right? Because I remember seeing some chocolate 3D prints. What kind of materials can you 3D print in and why might you use 3D printing in things like the medical industry? Wow, so that, that's, a, that's a great question. But basically, um, at least with the most common form of 3D printing, it's basically anything that you can melt and unmelt. So chocolate, like you know, melts at a fairly low temperature. And that's why there's been a couple prototypes that have gotten solid chocolate, melted it and placed it around uh, a build plate, and then they let it harden and it turns into, um, it turns into a shape. Um, plastic does the same thing. You heat it up a little bit and it melts. But recently there's been more advanced ways of 3D printing. Like, you know, one of the coolest things I've heard was, um, Mark Forge, who has like a plastic that has flakes of metal in it pretty much. And when you print this metal plastic mixture and you basically throw it in an oven and burn away the plastic, you have a solid metal part. It's one of the most amazing things I've seen. Wow, I would love to eat a chocolate 3D print. I think that's really interesting too because um... I actually have a metal robot. It doesn't work or anything because it's like really heavy, but it is so cool to see what 3D printing can do. And I know in the medical industry, say you needed an ear or something, you're able to 3D print ears. You can 3D print vegan meat. You can 3D print sugar. So many different amazing things you can 3D print. And the computer is basically communicating to the 3D printer, this is the design or shape that I want whatever I'm printing to be in the shape of. And when I was first starting out in 3D printing, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I was really confused. I'm like, what does a 3D printer do? And why do I want one? And then I ended up getting one and my whole world was blown away because I was able to 3D print the craziest shapes. I was able to make little robots and I was able to make really cool little animals. And I was able to 3D print gifts for my family. And I thought that was really cool because I had never been able to do that before. I mean, to make custom shapes otherwise you'd have to like get, use big machinery and uh like mill down um metal and make it into the shape you want or you'd have to like carve wood or something 
this totally changes the world of manufacturing because often to make stuff in plastic, you have to mass produce it, which means you have to make a lot and a lot of something, right? But in 3D printing, you can make just one thing. And this is a really great opportunity to be able to test different things like different products, things like uh, a ring. For example, if you have a really, really big hand and you wanted a ring, would you want to get those custom made with a 3D printer? Or would you want like a thousand of those rings made through mass production? You would probably want just one, right? So 3D printing is a great option for that. And it's actually how some of my friends even make cool custom jewelry, which I think is really cool. Um, and 3D printing is not as expensive as you might think it is. Uh, there are printers that cost way less than some of the industrial printers, like hobby printers. There might even be a printer at your school, you never know. And I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, like you said, 3D printing has really come down in cost, especially over the last couple of years. Like I personally own a couple of expensive machines, but my very first 3D printer costs about $300, which um, is still, still can be a lot, but that's come down even further. And I've seen some machines as little as $100, which um, to me is amazing. Just a reminder to follow along with this episode at www.steamconnection.org slash hands-on. We are always uploading cool new content to our website, so be sure to check it out. We will also read your questions on the show, so be sure to submit them on our site. If you could go back in time and teach yourself one skill when you were 12 years old, so about Vinia's age, what would you teach yourself, Rob? I would actually, oh man, this is a tough one. I would have to say it's CAD because I got a really late start in CAD. Um, I never heard of CAD until I was in college and I didn't get really serious with it until I was like 21 years old. So if I started in when I was 12, I can only imagine the things I could have created to make my life easier. What has been your favorite thing to 3D print and what has been the hardest? Well, my favorite thing to 3D print, I feel like that changes every single day. But right now, um, uh, I'm looking at what I did for CAD model today, number 137. It's basically um, one of the original Pokemon called Porygon. And it's basically this little cyber duck thing that has glow-in-the-dark eyes and it had glow-in-the-dark plastic filament so it's really really cool so as of right now that's my favorite thing as for the hardest um if you recall the prosthetic that i was talking about earlier i actually made a functional prototype out of that with 3d printing and that one was so difficult because i actually used a technique where while the part was 3d printing I would stop it in the middle and I would get a metal wire and a soldering iron, which is really hot, and it would fuse this metal wire inside the part. So it made it like a, almost like a chain link kind of structure. Wow, that sounds super hard, but also really awesome. Me and my robotics team have actually started 3D printing the plastic frame of face shields so we can give them out to frontliners in our community. I think that's especially so important during the pandemic. A lot of people don't have safety resources that are necessary to be able to help our communities stay safe and uh, not get COVID-19. 
So it's really awesome that your robotics team is doing that. I know that a lot of people aren't. And so it's good to step up and serve where you're able to. I thought that was pretty awesome because the surge of demand that came for these parts really took our communities by surprise. We were just not ready for that spike in manufacturing. So the fact that we could fill in some of the gap with at-home manufacturing, like I'll tell you too, that I printed some of those stuff out on my machines as well. And, you know, it was really awesome to try and help that demand, you know, people coming together really was very, very cool. So I'm glad that your team helped with that too. Thank you. This just goes to show that CAD and 3D printing don't only have to be used um, as helpers in the industry, but it can also be used to help people in your community. All right, Rob. So when you are 3D printing things, what kind of waste do you leave behind? How does your 3D printing affect our environment? So when I 3D print, a lot of the times there's not really a way to use 100% of the plastic efficiently. Every time I print, there's always a little bit of waste plastic that doesn't really make it into the part. And that plastic is kind of tough to recycle sometimes. Currently, I just keep it. I keep it around to later recycle. Tell me a little bit about ABS and PLA, common 3D printing materials. What exactly are they? Basically, they're two different, I guess, formulas of plastic. They, they each have their own advantages and disadvantages. So for PLA, it's softer, it's easier to print, and it's flexible in many cases. As for ABS, uh, ABS is probably the most common formulation of plastic in just about anything. Like if you pick up anything around you that's made of plastic, I'd say there's like an 80% chance it's ABS. It's what Legos are made of. It's what my computer mouse is made of. And the reason it's so uh, common is that it's really strong. If you've ever stepped on a Lego, you know how strong they are. When I was designing my robot, environmental sustainability played a huge role in my decisions on what to make the robots out of. So I know that many people have different opinions of PLA or polylactic acid. It's a, it's a bioplastic, right? People expect to stick PLA in their garden and for it to biodegrade immediately. They just stick it in and poof, it's in the dirt, right? But biodegradation is the breakdown of organic matter by more microorganisms, such as bacteria and fungi. And a couple episodes ago, we actually talked a bit about bacteria and the role that it plays in our environment. I think that people have a misconception of biodegradation. Why do you think that is, Rob? Well, I think one of the misconceptions is, you know, what exactly do we mean when we say it's biodegradable? Like when a plastic toothbrush degrades after 4,000 years, is that biodegradable? You know, most people would, would say no. So there's really has to be like a line drawn of how fast we expect things to break down. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. I definitely think that when we're in school, our teachers don't really teach us a lot of stuff about environmental concerns. And they don't teach us about like what materials in our everyday life are more environmentally sustainable than others or what are different ways that we actually harm the environment without even knowing it, like uh, lunch waste, like in, in the cafeteria, like what kind of waste are we making that we may not know about? And I think our educators need to do a better job of that. And I think also as environmental innovators and activists, both Vinny and I, I think we need to do a better job of pushing for that and promoting for that change. 
because a lot of the time I think people tend to overlook it and that can be really dangerous because our earth needs our help. I totally agree with that, Danielle. I know that not all PLA is biodegradable and that some filaments are made out of recycled plastic and that some isn't. What materials do you tend to use when 3D printing, Rob? Well, there's tons of things and um, I guess it just depends on how strong do I need it and how long do I need it to last. Like there's um, some materials that are very resistant to degradation. For example, one of that is nylon. Nylon doesn't like to decompose, even chemically. And that makes it really, really strong, but that also makes it really, really not environmentally friendly because there's not a lot of processes that can uh, decompose that. Your only real option is to recycle it and get it, get it to recycle. So if I need something like really, really strong, I'll print something out of nylon, but make sure that the design is as lean as it can be, that it, that it does what I want it to do with, uh, with using the least amount of plastic possible. Wait, you mean nylons like um, what I wear under my dress? Those type of nylons? Yeah, absolutely. The, the nylon in your dress, Danielle, is nylon that has been melted and pulled really thin into these little strands, which makes it very problematic when they get into our oceans and environment. I know that microplastics is a huge issue and is actually on every single surface of our Earth from the tippy top of mountains to the bottom of our sea. And that just further shows how big of a problem this is and why we need to, as engineers, when we are designing things, pick materials that are actually sustainable and are going to help our Earth rather than hinder it. I think that is interesting that PLA can actually be compostable when combined with a material called PCL. Can you explain a little bit about what composting something is and how could I do that with, say, my dinner if I wanted to? Yeah, so as far as I understand it, composting is when you take um, organic matter and you put it in an environment where basically worms and bacteria can take that material and break it down into basically fertilizer. And as far as your, as far as your dinner goes, Stuff like bones and and leaves from your salad, from the stuff you left over, can be put into, for example, a composting bin and be turned into soil, which is really cool that you can add to a garden and use to grow more stuff. Wait, hold on. What's a composting bin? I've, I've never had one of those before. Uh, so a composting bin is basically a, a container where you put all this organic material. So first you'll start it off with uh, typically branches and leaves and maybe a little bit of dirt. And um, basically you close it off. I believe it does have to be isolated from sunlight and into this container. It can, it can be pretty much any sealed container. Like, a, a, like I heard a garbage can is pretty good container for composting. Wow! In that case, we encourage everyone to have a composting bin, if possible. So, as for what can go into the composting bin, can I just compost anything? Could I compost the batteries in my robot, for example? Unfortunately, no. It has to be some level of organic, so your ba the batteries in your robot really need to be taken to a proper battery recycling center, but for uh, most most other things, food, food trimming, eggshells, anything organic can be put into that composting bin. 
That's a great point. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rob, and we look forward to having you again on the show. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure coming on here. Thanks for having me over. Of course. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners about their STEAM journey? Oh, of course. If you are ever looking for any ideas of how to get inspired with CAD and the things you can do with CAD, you know, you can head over to the steamconnection.org or you can head over to my social media stuff. You can find me on Instagram, for example, at virtualflatcad, and that's C-A-D at the very end. I cannot wait for our listeners to go check out the amazing things we're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week and make sure to tune in next week to hear more about environmental innovation and how we are changing the world in big ways.